Hey, it's Kathy. I'm so excited because, drumroll please, doors are officially open to my program, The Abundance Method. I have been wanting to put this program out in the world for two and a half years. I've been working on it behind the scenes, and this is my signature program. This is the program that is going to teach you the method, the framework for how to become a master manifester in your life. Why is that? Because everything is vibration. We live in a world that is atomic. That means the world is made of atoms, which is energy. 99.9% of every atom is energy and less than 1% particle. So in order for us to manifest in our life, we need to become the highest vibe possible and to sustain that. This program is going to show you how to meditate and how to set your day on the right track so that you have a practice that can help you project your amazing energy into the world, which will bend the 3D, which will help you manifest in ways that you won't even believe. This is a transformative live program. It is designed to help you on this journey of spiritual awakening. It's going to give you tons of tools. I'm going to show you how to change your energy, master the manifestation once and for all, This is the first program of its kind. We're actually trademarking all of this framework because it is something that is so unique and I think you're going to be so excited about learning it. Also, there are some bonuses right now. If you sign up before May 14th, you're gonna get the following. A magic morning journal, which is going to help you every day to set your energy in the right way, daily prompts. Plus, you're gonna get an exclusive podcast so that you can be listening to this program If you can't make the live Zoom calls, we can give it to you on a track so that you can be listening to it like you do a podcast. Also, you're going to get a pack of 10 meditations from me, and you're going to be getting a training that I just gave a workshop called Permission to be Rich, one of the best workshops I've ever done, which you will love. And there is a platinum level to this program. If you choose the platinum level, not only do you get extra coaching calls with me, you also get extra mentor support, but this is really cool. You also get a retreat included. My retreats are normally $3,000. You will get the retreat for free included. Plus, you will get a front row seat at that retreat because you will be on the Platinum VIP track at the retreat. All of this is here for you. I'd love to see you in this program. I want to see you tapping in, turning on to that electricity within you so that you can find your way to the life that you were born to manifest for yourself. You can join us now at kathyheller.com slash join. I cannot wait. Get on in there, see what all the excitement is about. It's going to be so much fun. If you have that determination and the drive and the vision, it will work. And I think if people believe that, then it will. If you're a creative person, if you're a baker, a dancer, a photographer, a screenwriter, an actor, a comedian, a podcaster, and you want to figure out how to make a living doing what you love, this is the show. This is the show don't keep your day job. My name is Kathy Heller and I'm a singer songwriter. I make a living doing what I love and I want that for you. This is the show that's going to help you do that and give you not only inspiration, but some real life strategies. This is going to help you figure out how to take your creative passion and turn it into a profit. Thanks to Audible for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. Sincerely X is a 10-part original series. It is powerful. It's haunting. It's inspiring. It's intense. Um, I don't want to give it away, so go to Audible and you can listen to it. It's available on Audible channels. You can listen to it at audible.com slash Sincerely X. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. 
It's been so much fun getting to know so many of you. So many of our listeners have been entering this raffle that I'm doing, and I've been meeting with so many people online over Zoom video call. It's been great. If you guys want to enter a raffle, go to nodayjobs.com, and I'm going to pick 20 more people because I've been having so much fun. Those of you who've been on the call, you know how much fun it's been, and I've really enjoyed it. I've enjoyed getting to hear so many of your stories and what you want to do. And the thing that's so consistent is that when I'm on these calls and I watch you start to talk about what you want to do, your face lights up and something changes and I can see that this is really what you're meant to do. And I recently read a quote by Mark Twain. He said, the two best days of your life, the first is the day you were born and the second is the day you figure out why. And it totally brings tears to my eyes because day in and day out, we don't realize how short and precious the time is. And instead of building someone else's dream every single day, I want to help you build your dream. You know, the time's going to pass anyway. So even if you say, yeah, but it could take two years or three years. Well, two years from now, you're going to be two years older anyway. And three years from now, you'll be three years older and so on. So instead of building someone else's dream, I want to give you the tools to start knowing where to focus your energy and what effort to be putting in and some tricks that are really going to help you stand out and be a squeaky wheel. It's not about working hard. It's about working smart and putting in effort, but knowing where to direct that energy. So that's why I decided to roll out a whole course so that I can give you guys more. I've been getting thousands of emails from people asking me more questions and they want more specific feedback. So I said, okay, what if I put together a course that shows you comprehensively every single strategy, things that I have done to grow my audience, things that I've done to engage my audience, ways that you guys can create Facebook ads so you can take some content that's great and then have it show up on the feeds of people who are already interested in the types of things you're doing. Look, here's what I wanna say to you, okay? A couple things. Number one, when I was a kid, yes, I loved to sing and people told me that I, was, I had a good voice, but I was never the one who stood out. Like in my high school, um, I would sing in the talent shows, but I wasn't the girl who got the lead in the musicals. I wasn't even given a single solo line in, in the musical or in the chorus, okay? So I was somebody who had some talent, but I had to work on it and I was willing to put in that work. When I came out to Los Angeles, I got scared. I saw people who ran circles around me playing lots of instruments. And so I took day jobs and then my day jobs became like golden handcuffs and I stayed at my day jobs. And one day I woke up and I was so depressed. I was like, life has to be more than just waking up, paying bills, watching Law & Order, reading People magazine. Like, come on, I didn't even recognize myself anymore. I was wearing suits with high heels. Like, I don't wear suits and high heels. I look like a timeshare salesman. It wasn't even me. And so I quit my job and I started writing music. I had no idea how I was gonna get there. I just knew that I was gonna put one foot in front of the other and I was gonna put in my best effort and The songs I was writing in the beginning were pretty mediocre at best, but I got better and I started to redefine my approach and eventually got a record deal. Then I got dropped from the record label and then I had to find another avenue. So I started to write music for film and TV and research how I would get my songs to those people and figured out how to send emails that broke through the noise. And in a very competitive world, I wound up making multi six figures every single year doing something I loved, but it didn't come overnight and it didn't come without a lot of effort. And there were certain strategies that helped me break through the noise, help me figure out the research so I knew who to reach out to, so I knew what kinds of things to implement into my craft, into my work so that it would stand out. And now there's so much that you can be doing DIY. Here's a couple examples. So on the group calls, it's been so cool. I've met with all different types of people. Um, The last session we did, we had an illustrator, a florist, a blogger, a comedy writer, a woodworker, an actor, a songwriter. So it was great. 
everybody had something unique. The thing that everybody had in common was their challenges, you know, their frustrations, not knowing which thing to do, not knowing how to take the next step. So for one person, I talked to her about growing a list and how important it is to start building what's called a funnel where you create ads on Facebook, you have your content show up on the feeds of people who are interested, like I just said, and then you create an opt-in page and slowly but surely you're going to grow a list because your list is so important because a percentage of that list will convert to buy from you or give you business or hire you, whatever it is that you do. And even if you're not gonna be hired, let's say you're a songwriter or you're an artist, eventually these people will come to be your fans. And so it's important to start growing a list and then knowing how to engage that list. And the thing is that you might say, well, people are already doing that, but not everybody is doing it consistently and words from the heart speak to the heart. That's what I'm saying. Like even this podcast is a great example. We started the show, we had no idea if we'd have 10 listeners, 400 listeners. Within a few days, we had thousands and thousands of listeners, millions of subscribers. It's amazing. If I would have waited till this was perfect or till I was ready, whatever that means, I never would have done this show because I just went for it. I knew that I was passionate about it. I genuinely want to help people do what they love to do. And so I thought, let's just try it. And next thing we know, we sent emails to people. People were willing to come on our show and it's resonated with people. Words from the heart speak to the heart. Doors are going to open for you. Doors are going to open. So if you want to get in the class and have a streamlined process, it's going to be a six week course and all of it's pre-recorded. So you can watch these videos, whatever times on your in, you can watch it at your own pace on your own time. But then for people in the course, once a week, I'll show up live and give you more feedback and do Q and A's so we can really dive in deeper. And this is like a six week process that sort of outlines the things that I talk about on the show, but in more detail, just if you want an extra resource, I do think it's going to be really helpful. If you want more information, go to nodayjobs.com and you can sign up for the raffle. I'm going to meet with 20 more people online in these small group video sessions, and I'm going to have the time to hear what you want to do and give you feedback. All right, I wanna dive into something a little bit deeper. I wanna talk about storytelling because this came up on the last group session we had. One of the people on the call is a florist and she was saying that she's been trying to do everything she can possibly think of to do to get business, but it's not moving as fast as she wants. And so I started asking her what she was doing and what was working and what wasn't working. And I asked her what her story was. And she said, what do you mean? I said, people buy stories and we need to know why we started this business and we need to communicate that to other people and we need to let them know why our product is different and the best way to do that is to tell a story whatever it is you're doing what's your story if you're an artist if you have a bakery if you're a designer what's the story behind it people buy stories let me give you an example when people buy diamonds they could buy a cubic zirconia sometimes the cubic zirconia looks even brighter and more beautiful than the diamond why is it that they're going to spend 30 times, 100 times, 200 times more for something when they could get something that looks exactly the same and nobody would be the wiser? It's because of the story. Everything you've ever seen about diamonds, it's diamonds are forever, diamonds are classy, diamonds are unique, diamonds are amazing, and you want to be associated with that story. Since we were kids, we buy stories. Everything that you've ever learned, the way you digested it, was through a fairy tale. The message of anything since you were a kid comes to you best through a story. So whatever it is that's your product, you want to figure out why did you start it and tell people. So I said to this woman, if I was looking at a list of florists and I didn't know any of them personally, but one of these florists told this story and the story was engaging to me, 
I decided to go into floral design because my grandmother has a garden and I would always go with my grandma and take flowers from her garden. We'd make these beautiful flower arrangements and I actually still design with my grandma to this day. And I said, well, your grandma and this story has to be told in all your marketing. Everyone has to know because they're gonna buy that story. And I said, look, every time somebody's hiring a florist anyway, it's usually a milestone, whether it's a, a wedding or a sweet 16 or a bat mitzvah or you're sending flowers to someone you love. It's all about people, it's connection. And I said, you and your grandma, it's right there woven into your story. It's generations and family and love and connection. And I said, this is so powerful and she totally got it. And this is what I'm trying to tell you. You know, just this morning before I recorded this, I went to the De Beers website. De Beers is one of the biggest companies that sells diamonds. So I go to their website to see what's their newest angle on telling the story. And they have something called London by De Beers. And the tagline is, the collection encapsulates the magical light that dances on London's iconic landmarks and reflects the majestic themes. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is what they're doing. Do you see what they're doing? Like, so when you buy this jewelry and look down at your hand, you're associating yourself with all these words. It's majestic, it's light, dancing off of London's iconic landmarks. So you yourself start to feel regal and you feel like you're part of something that's timeless. And this is what they're doing. So you're buying the story. And that's why you're gonna spend more money on Gucci than you would on the fake handbag you buy on the street in New York City. That's why you're gonna spend that's why your kids want the Lucky Charm cereal instead of the generic version. They're buying the story. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's really important that you tell your story. And in the class I'm doing, this is just one of the pieces, is helping you figure out how to tell your story, giving you this assignment, and then helping you weave this into all your marketing. And so making sure that this story is what you're selling. And eventually people are gonna buy this story and then as an offshoot, they're gonna buy whatever it is that you're selling. So if you wanna join me on one of these group calls, it's so much fun. Like I said, we had an illustrator and a blogger and a comedy writer and a woman who does woodworking and an actor. And it's been so much fun. And every single person thinks that they have a different challenge, but really all the challenges wind up being relatable to everybody else. So if you wanna get on one of these calls, go to nodayjobs.com. You'll get into one of these group calls. I look forward to giving you some feedback and hearing your story. Thank you again for telling your friends about our podcast. Thank you for reviewing it on iTunes, which helps us be a voice for as many people listen to this to remind you how unique and how much you need to get busy contributing what you're contributing. Life has got to be more than waking up and making money and going to sleep. Like if you have something to contribute, we're the ones who need to be do it. We've won the lottery. We're the people who have the resources. We're the people who have running water and Wi-Fi. There is no good excuse. If you want to do something, I will continue to show you how. I will give you some tools that will help you expand your business. And if you want it all put together in a streamlined, comprehensive way, come join the course. Go to nodayjobs.com. You can find out more about the class and you can sign up for the raffle. And I can't wait to get to know so many more of you. Okay. I want to thank Audible for supporting our podcast. Audible Channels has a new original series. It's called Sincerely X. It's this amazing 10-part audio series. And it shines a light on these really personal stories that can only be shared in secret. It's really interesting. So, you know, Ted, I always listen to TED Talks. Ted's mission is always to allow these great ideas to spread, okay? So now they teamed up with Audible Originals and they're providing a space to tell these incredibly inspiring stories outside of the TED Spotlight. From life-saving rituals to radical business strategies to the true impact of burnout, you're gonna hear ideas that may change the way that you think. And the truth is whenever I've listened to stuff on Sincerely X or on TED, I always feel like these ideas change the way that I think. So this particular thing, Sincerely X, it's a 10-part Audible original series, and 
I listened to it. I was like, right away, it got me because it's this woman. She's talking about how she was in an abusive relationship and for so long, she didn't even realize she was. And eventually she realized it and she started doing something. It was a ritual she had to soothe herself and it wound up saving her life. You guys should check it out. It's haunting. It's powerful. It's inspiring. So just go to audible.com slash sincerely X. Audible and Amazon Prime members get to listen for free. So it's audible.com slash sincerely X. Thanks, Audible. So today on our show, we have a fashion designer. She's had two companies. Her first company was called Susan Lazar. It was women's high-end clothing. It was in Barney's and Saks and Neiman's. She now has the most beautiful line of baby clothes and children's clothing called Egg by Susan Lazar. She's done incredible things with her brand. I cannot wait for you to hear all about it. And I can't wait to hear your story, Susan, of how you built this amazing, amazing brand and become so successful doing what you love. So welcome. So glad you're here. Thanks for having me. So take us back to the beginning. Where did this all start? Did you know as a kid that you wanted to design clothes? Yes, actually. That's it was a crazy thing. I always wanted to be a designer. I was really like obsessed with clothing and uh, shopping and just beautiful things in general. And I actually wore a uniform to school. And on Fridays, we were allowed to wear whatever we wanted. And that was like the best day of the week for me because I would like plan out my outfit, <laughs> you know, like way in advance. Or like I try to like do things to the uniform to make it look different. And, you know, I usually would get a um, like a detention for doing that. But I always wanted to change whatever I was wearing or whatever I had into something else. I could buy things and I would want to change them. And, you know, I I would think this is like the perfect dress if only it had this and that. So I don't think I realized at the time that I was, you know, headed towards being a fashion designer, but I always was really interested in fashion and, and perfecting things. So after high school, I was looking at colleges and that's really, I think the point where people start to figure out, you know, what they want to do because then, you know, they have to yeah. choose a major and whatever. So they hadn't right. thought about it before that. Although I had gone to some art and design classes before I went to college. When I went to do the search, I was looking for a liberal arts college where I could also get a design background. So there's very mm-hmm. there was only a few programs that really existed. There was RISD, which is Rhode Island School of Design. They had a program um, that combined with Brown University, um, so that was an option, and I heard great things about it. And the other great one was Cornell, and I didn't get into Brown so, or RISD, so um, I, I did get into Cornell, and which was also a great program. And I studied textile science and uh, business and design when I was there. And it was really, it was like perfect. It was exactly what I wanted, although it wasn't really heavy enough in the design part. So when I graduated, I decided to go to design school for another two years. And so I, I came to New York and I applied to FIT, at Fashion Institute. And um, and I did a two-year program. I was going to do a one-year program because I was like ready to work and jump in, but it was really like so much to learn that I ended up doing the two-year program. And there we learned how to do pattern making and draping and sewing and, and, and fashion illustration and all the things that I really, really wanted to learn. So it was, it was really exciting that uh, they had it all there. 
And when you were in school, did the light bulbs just go off and you could like see the next, you know, chapter of your life unfolding? I mean, I didn't really like actually think, okay, I'm going to sit down and write a business plan and, you know, I'm going to have this many styles and I'm going to open a business. It, it wasn't like that. I mean, what I did every summer when I was in college at Cornell is I would try to find a job in design, like in the design industry and in fashion, doing anything. So, like I was just like so enthusiastic about just learning and getting my hands, you know, wet, my feet. So one summer I worked at Bendel's, the department store and like did sales. One summer I worked for a design company and I was like an intern, like literally cutting swatches. Another summer, I just, I did all sorts of things, like whatever, whatever I could find, I did. And I would move to the city during the summer and I would work and just learn as much as possible. So after I graduated from FIT, I had a critic because during your final year, you put on a fashion show and you have a, a critic who comes from the industry and they uh, give you a theme and you design into whatever they want. And winning the competition and I got a job with that designer. His name was Randolph Duke. So it was sort of like it just kind of one thing led to the mm-hmm. next and I just took the job and you know it wasn't really a design job it was an it was an internship and I I learned a lot but it wasn't exactly what you know you don't sit down and start sketching like you're literally running errands and getting buttonholes made and you know whatever right. whatever they need you to do so that was but I didn't care I was thrilled and just I was working in the showroom and in the design room and I got to see everything so it was great and then when that ended, I ended up uh, working for Michael Kors for the Kors line in the PR department, not even in design. But I thought to myself when I took the job, oh, I'll just move into design. That It won't be a problem. So, you know, I just always thought, like, whatever I would do, even if it wasn't perfect at the time, it would always lead to something that would help me grow and lead me to, like, the next best thing. So even if it wasn't the perfect, perfect thing that I was looking for, as long as it was in design and I was learning, I felt like that was a good thing. And then, uh, so then I learned a lot about PR also and marketing, which is such an important part of business, especially now, you know, it wasn't even so uh, important back then when I was doing it. But now with social media and marketing, it's like, it's everything. So anyway, I learned how to work with editors and how like, you know, how it all works with advertising and how you lend out clothing and, sign in and out samples. I had a great boss. I learned a lot. And then I was just like, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to get back into design. So I I think I did that for about a year. And I started while I was still working there, I started like just making samples. I got a sewing machine and I started making like scarves and capes because they were like in at the time. And then I just went into the garment center and I bought fabric and I bought a sewing machine and, you know, I just started like making stuff for fun um, but in my mind, I knew that I was going to try and, like, show it to the stores. So I ended up, like, uh, leaving my job and focusing on that full-time. I had some savings and whatever, so I was able to do that and focus on it. And wow. I started, and that, was a big, that was a big move. Uh, yeah. And I started, like, I took some photographs of the things I made. I, I had a friend that was, was, like, a model, and I took pictures on her and made like a little press kit and I started literally writing letters and making line sheets and sending pictures to like every store that I could possibly imagine that I thought maybe I could sell to and just sending, 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 sending. And then 
calling, 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 calling until somebody would pick up the phone. And then generally they wasn't even the buyer. Like, you know, I'd have to call like a hundred times. You would just find someone to send to. And how did you know you would then have the ability to make as much as they were going to buy? I didn't worry about that. (laughs) I just figured if I got the order, (laughs) I'd figure it out later. Like I just didn't, that's kind of like a little bit of my personality. It could be a good thing and a bad thing, but I think that I jump in and I just figure out the how afterwards. I'm just like, I want this, I'm going to get it. And then I'm going to figure it out. So you were researching stores and who would you research? I was just looking like I would go, I don't even remember how I did it. I just, you know, I would ask people like I'm from Philadelphia. So I knew the best stores in Philadelphia and I knew the department stores. I knew obviously, you know, the big major department stores like Bloomingdale's and Saks and Neiman's and whatever. So I would, I would look it wasn't even before computers. I don't know how I did it. I must have called the buying office. I would get the phone number of the buying office. And then I would ask for the buyer's name of the, like the accessories department. And then I would get the uh, phone number and the address, send the thing and then call nonstop, like until they picked up the phone. (laughs) It was pretty brutal, you know, but I was determined. That's amazing. Who does that? It's amazing. Uh, Young, young people. I wouldn't do it now. Like, I don't have the energy so anymore. But, so then there was a great program that um, Bendel's, which is a department store in New York, they ran, mm-hmm. especially for finding new talent. So every, I think it was every Thursday, one, the last Thursday of every month or the first Thursday, I don't remember, they would invite like new designers to come and show their stuff to the buyers. And I found out about it and I went and like I rented like a van, <laughs> had rolling racks and oh I was gosh. like, like schlepping my stuff into the, this thing, like so much stuff. And then the buyer would say, it's nice, but it's not what we're looking for. Or the prices aren't right or it's not the right this or that or whatever. So I would say to them, okay, tell me what you want and I'll do it. Like, tell me what's wrong with this. Tell me what you don't like about it. I'll fix it and I'll make it what you want. And then... I said, I'll be back next month and I would come back next month and then they would remember me and then they would still say no. Then I went back like another time. And then finally, finally, I don't know, after a long time, I don't remember how many times I went, they found something they liked or I made something that they wanted and I got an order. And then at the same time, because I was making more and more samples, I had more to show other stores. So then, you know, I'd get an appointment with like the Bloomingdale's buyer. So I'd rent the van. I take the stuff. I was, you know, falling oh over everything. Gosh. Talk about and being resourceful. You got to figure all that out. I mean, no, people would just let anything stop them. You're like, I'll rent the van and I drive. This is in New York City. You're renting a van, and or this is no, I wasn't driving it. I think somebody was driving. <laughs> I wasn't driving. It was in New York, <laughs> but like you know, like you get like a taxi van or whatever, and then I had rolling oh racks full of clothes. Like it was really kind of crazy, and then. I don't know. I got a bunch of orders and I got a really big order from Neiman Marcus. That was like my big break. It was Neiman's and Bendel's. And then, then I had to make it and I had no idea how I was going to make it and how I was going to pay for it. I had some money that I could pay for part of it, but I really couldn't pay for all of it. And so I went to my family. I went to my father and I told him what was going on because I don't think he even realized. And I asked him for a loan to, you know, to, he said, do you have orders you have this you have that and I told him I did and he put up the money for me so that I could uh produce the stuff and I went literally to my dry cleaner this woman <laughs> she was also a tailor and she was we were friends and she was making all the stuff in her little shop 
and oh my god yeah and then I was hanging the stuff like I lived in like in a kind of like a loft building and I was hanging the stuff from pipes like from the exposed pipes because like literally there's no room oh to put gosh. this stuff and shipping out of my apartment and whatever it's really nuts and then this is honestly then, like the makings of this could be a great movie it's so great <laughs> like in the middle of it you didn't realize but you had so much confidence you're selling stuff to Neiman Markets and not even knowing how are you going to build it and then you're like Okay, now I'm gonna figure it out. So I'm gonna to go to my friend who works at the dry cleaner. Right, yeah, and she I and I are know. gonna make this order. Yeah, I don't oh know. You just figure it out. I think like what, like I don't think I could figure out everything all at once. But I think as like you take one step at a time. Amazing. So like one thing happens and then you run into a wall and then you have to get around the wall. So you go around the wall, then another wall, and then another wall, and another wall. So you just, you just, I don't know. It's like an obstacle course, but you know you have to get to the end of it. So you just keep figuring it out one step at a time. And sometimes you don't know the answer and. You know, sometimes it doesn't work, but generally it eventually does work if you believe it will. So, so that's what I did with that, mm-hmm. and then and then the company grew. And uh, the first person I hired was a sewer. I had a sewing machine, a Juki sewing machine, which is an industrial machine in my apartment, and a sewer. And then oh my god, my, in your apartment? Yeah, and my father was he's a he wasn't in fashion, but he was a businessman, and he said, you know, you need to get a salesperson. So the next person I hired was a, a salesperson and she really I think was like one of the most important things that I did because she had so many connections and she was the one who pushed me to do women's sportswear like clothing which is what I really studied I didn't want to be doing accessories but I didn't really have the I guess I had some fear in me still that I you know could I do like a whole women's line so she spoke to like seven stores and we put together a little capsule collection of stretch. This was really in at the time, stretch charmeuse. It was like stretch silk, like shirts and tops mm-hmm. and halters and whatever, and in pretty colors. And uh, we put this collection together. It was very small, and we sold it. And then from there, we were in the department stores, and then they wanted different things, and I needed to do. I started adding more pieces to the collection, and then. You know, I don't know, just kept growing and growing, growing, growing. Then someone said, you need to do a fashion show because the press needs to come. And I had no idea how to do a fashion show. It was like, I had no clue what was going on. So, you know, we had hired the models. I hired a stylist. And I had a showroom at the time. And we we put on the show. And the, the editors came. And we got press. And then I hired a PR person. And then we hired a production person. And then, you know, just like... It just grew and grew and grew, and it was a really exciting yeah. time. So, you know, I was just like a kid. I didn't really know what I was doing. So I was just pretending to know what I was doing. But we we grew the business to about $8 million. It was very hard to make money in that business, and we were losing a little bit of money. And it, even though it was a dream and it was successful on so many levels, it wasn't financially successful even though we grew it and grew it and grew it and the numbers doubled or tripled every year the overhead kept growing and it was just it just spiraled out of control a little bit not to be a negative so what I did was I ended up closing it and then I started another company which was kind of crazy also so what I did was in so between, that initial company was just your the initial company was your Susan Lazar line yeah that was women's clothing that was Susan Lazar I closed that in 2001 2002 right around there and then you took some time to recalibrate or you went yes. right into something else? So no, I, t- I took some time. I was I did some freelance work um, while I was starting the next company. Like I, I started a company. So it was interesting because 
so much of what I had built like was was brand driven and label driven and the editors and intense and like really like kind of very high pressure and it was right around September 11th and I said to myself like I want to do something that's like happy and not stressful and just free and focusing on family and kids and I didn't even really have any training in children's wear but I just felt like that was the right move for me and and we had just literally moved our production to China when I closed Susan Lazar so I had some contacts a factory so I started putting together like a collection of blankets and like layout gowns and whatever for kids and knitwear really easy for fit and everything because with women's wear fit is everything and it, it that was like half the battle so I figured this would be much easier to start small yeah. and do something that wasn't so sensitive to like fit issues so while I was getting that started I worked for Anne Klein I just I was the design director for their dresses and I worked for a company in, in Canada doing a, a sportswear collection for someone there and I was flying back and forth and at the mean, in the same time, also doing eggs, which is my next company. So then, yeah, I don't know. I just started the same way. I made samples, and it was much easier because they were being done in China and overseas. So I didn't need the sample room and the sewers and the pattern makers. It was like less overhead. And yeah. um, I put a sample collection together and did the same thing. I just started uh, calling stores and also doing the trade shows. That was really a big help as well because all the buyers come to you at the trade show, so you don't even have to go to them. So I create like a little booth and, you know, pay for it and stand there and sell and show stuff. And same thing, like some people, they didn't know who I was, they didn't know the company, it was a totally different venture. And you really had to start from scratch again. And same thing, I'd ask people, do you like this? Do you not like that? What do you like? If you don't like it, tell me what you want and I'll do what you want and blah, 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 or I'll, I'll change it. And I would just keep going until I hit something that people seem to like. And so I did that for like two, two and a half, maybe three years on my own. And it was very expensive and I was exhausted. And I, I really am not a salesperson and I, didn't, I couldn't focus on the business selling and designing all at the same time. And there was somebody that I met at a trade show who also had a children's wear company, a guy. And he kept coming up to me and asking me if we, he wanted to join companies so that I could do the designing for both of our companies. And he would run both the companies and raise money for us. And I was, like, very wary. He was a very uh, fast-talking, you know, smooth guy. Yeah. And I was, like, I really put him off for, like, a year and a half. And then I was, like, that's it. I'm going to just try this. So I said to him, okay, let's try it for six months. We'll do, like, a we'll draw up some legal documents that we won't do it officially, we'll just join for six months and see how it goes. And we'll share the profits from those six months. So we did that. And then he ended up going out and raising money for both of us. And his line was called Crawlers and mine was called Egg, Egg by Susan Lazar and his was Crawlers. And the thing was Crawlers was more of like a, like a mass market concept. So it took a lot more, it, we needed more volume for that model to work and we didn't have yeah. it yet. So Egg was really like the winning, winning course. Um, so we stuck with Egg, and we did that for seven seven years together. His name was Adam Newman, and uh, he's a very successful guy, and also an amazing entrepreneur. He started a company called WeWork, which is huge. And so we, we did Egg together for seven years, and then he got so caught up doing WeWork that he ended up 
leaving egg and I had to hire another CEO to kind of take his place and then actually I sold the company I own part of it still to a new person with my new partner and he's really the managing director and I design I'm the creative director and I, I do everything that has to do with the brand and the photo shoots and the marketing and the designing of the clothes and whatever and he does all the business and the sales stuff so we've since then opened six stores. We just opened one in Boca and the Country Club. We have, we have a store in Southampton, New York. We have one in Brooklyn, Dumbo. We have one in Tribeca, New York. One in Birmingham, Michigan. And one in Georgetown, Washington, in D.C. So amazing. I'm not surprised like, that you're in all these high-end places because the branding of Egg was so well done. And I want you to talk a little bit about the branding because... It's really, you've really set it apart from everything else that's out there for kids. It's so high end and it's so beautiful and it's really giving kids like integrity. Like you're really, can you explain a little bit about the egg brand and the story and how you, how you created the image of that brand? Cause I think it's so important. Sure. Thanks for the compliments too. Um, so basically, like I said, I, when I started it, it was right around September 11th. So the idea of family and connection and love and children was like really on my mind and I when I started egg the idea of an egg is about like uh, the beginning and purity and connection and life and like all eggs look the same on the outside but it's what's inside that makes everybody special and unique and I was also getting into uh, religion and becoming more religious and learning in, in Israel and that also came into a part of the the idea of the brand you know, just like the idea of potential and that we all have unlimited potential, and especially children. And, you know, we're also special and unique and have special gifts. And, you know, no two eggs are the same on the inside. And, you know, just like, I don't know, there's so much about an egg, which sounds crazy, but that really was, I think, a powerful symbol. So all those ideas kind of went into the brand. And, you know, the I just want you to know, I literally just got teared up. I swear to God, I started crying because... <laughs> You just said that so gen, you know, some people say stuff and they're trying to say it to like, you know, they want to hit all the right words, but you said it the way you said that I completely saw the evolution, 9-11, you becoming more interested in religion. And then everything you just said about, I never, ever thought about egg that way, but mm -hmm. I somehow subconsciously, when I see the word egg and the way that you wrote it and just the way the pictures and the way your brand is designed, I pick up on all that because I guess it was so earnest and it's so obvious that something mystical and deep and and so like rich is going on in that. I always talk about how important storytelling is and what your brand is and your message and I think that's the best one I ever heard. Wow, it's <laughs> so amazing. Cool. No, I think like I think also like like anything at the seed level, like wherever you start something, whatever your intention is going into it will come out in the end. Like if you are doing something because you know you want to help poor children and blah, 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 whatever like having that like in, in integrity and that consciousness I think goes into the brand like whatever you're actually thinking about so I think yeah. like the idea of family connection and love and and also it was very interesting because I had read this book but it, it was all about branding it was written by um, I think Richard Kirschenbaum maybe I don't remember but it, it talked mm -hmm. about like how why brands are successful and um, mm -hmm. it like went through this, I guess Maslow, whatever the triangle, like hierarchy of needs, and at the top, like the most important thing 
is love at the top, like for brands. So any brand mm -hmm. that connotes love will be successful. That's what this book basically said. It's called Love Notes. That's what it's called. Oh, love Notes. And Amazing. so it I was love really, this. it was really cool. Like, and I really, I thought about it a lot and, you know, like in a real way, not just like, oh, I want it to sound like it's about love. Like it really was. And also it was like a new beginning for me. It was kind of, I don't know, like a fresh start and clean slate and moving away from something that maybe wasn't as pure. So yeah, so that's, that's how it started. That's the branding message. And we use a lot of natural uh, materials and fibers and it's not always organic. Uh, sometimes we use organic materials. I don't think our customer is as sensitive to the whole organic thing. It also makes it much more expensive. But uh, we do do mm -hmm. a little bit of it, and we don't use any real fur or any real leather or anything like that. So we are, you know, we love animals, and you know, we're conscious of all of that life in general. So now you've already told us, you know, you have a store in Dumbo, you have a store uh, in the Hamptons, you just opened a store in Boca. So those are, you know, incredible places to be. And you also do you sell egg in department stores as well. Yeah, we um, we do. We were in, we're in Barney's and we're in I think Saks. Oh, and we're in Dillard's now. Actually, they gave us an amazing order, which is really exciting. It's a great wow. store. So, did you start Egg before you became a mom? Um, I did actually. I did start it before I became That's a mom, which is also crazy. <laughs> and I remember this is a funny thing, but. I was making like layette gowns and which is something babies wear. It's like a one piece thing. And this woman came into the show one time, one of the shows I was doing and was like, Oh, I, I want to replace an order and blah, blah, blah. I said, awesome. Just tell me what you want. And she said, you know, I really love these things, but it's really strange. Like the, the legs don't go all the way down. They stop at the knees. Like I had no idea like how to measure the baby and whatever. It was really in the beginning. And then obviously I fixed that problem. She still came back and bought it, but yeah, it's it's very rewarding and also it's fun because so many of my friends have kids and babies, so it's fun to give them things and see how they like it and get feedback and it's really fun. It's, I really enjoy that part of it. It's so nice. It seems like you you really did what you set out to do. So, what's your advice? I mean, you've already said incredible things that people can take notes and listen. What are a few things that you'd say if somebody wanted to be an entrepreneur? They're creative. What are things that you think are good to keep in mind? Uh, don't take no for an answer. <laughs> That's what I would say. Like, <laughs> yeah, just keep going. Like, even if, if if you're trying to do something and you're getting no's or, you know, you feel like doors are closing, you just figure out a way to do it so the door opens. Like, I just think that it takes a lot of times to get it right. And just because it doesn't work the first time isn't a failure. It just means it didn't work the first time. So you just need to keep doing it until yeah. it works. So it eventually yep. will work. If you have that determination and the drive and the vision, it will work. And I think if people believe that, then it will. That's amazing. Yeah, amazing. There, there's a million ways to learn. So I think like anything, like any way that you're learning and getting better at your craft or your skill is, is great. It doesn't have to be school. It just could be an apprenticeship. It could be, you know, just always asking questions to the right people. I mean, it depends on what, what it is that you're doing, but... Definitely, I think, I mean, school's important, but I don't think it's, it, it has to be in school. There's so many people who are super successful that never even went to school. So I think that, yeah, just being open and, and sticking with your goal, I think, is the most important thing. What do you think is the best way that you guys have gotten the word out? Was it 
PR and social media, or was it really just the quality of the work, selling it to stores, and then from there everything took off? I think it's a combination. I think it's always a combination. Like, okay. I think, like, you know, before we could afford to do PR, it was, you know, you just had to rely on people seeing it and finding it and maybe hoping a magazine would pick it up. Then, you know, we, we did have some PR for a little while, and that helped. And, you know, now social media is really important. So, you know, the Instagram, the Pinterest, and the, you know, all the Facebook and all of that, and Facebook ads and Facebook ads and having a website and, it's everything and it's also like new for me too i mean i'm not from that generation so i'm learning as i go along we have a blog you know whatever we can do to educate people and show them the brand and get it you know have more exposure is the name of the game so we feel having stores is a great way to do that and you know just doing shows uh trying to get the, the most important thing really i think even though we sell to a lot of stores other than our own is to have the right um, presentation in the store so we try to create egg destination stores so that we, they buy a lot of the collection so it's meaningful when the customer walks in because that also is a great way to communicate mm-hmm. the brand if there's like three things on a shelf like no one's really going to get it or care so you know or pay attention so i think branding has to tell a story and the more you can do that the better you said that you have a blog what kind of content do you post on the blog well i like to keep it real (laughs) and like i like to ask people to write on the blog who sometimes they're parents not always and just talk about their you know experience as a parent or about kids and family if they're not a parent you know just really anything that they're struggling with or they're inspired by something that's exciting them something that's current and it's not long like each person writes like maybe two paragraphs max three because people don't want to read that much and it's just a way to keep connecting to our customers and share just things that are interesting me and you know these people that I find inspiring or you know maybe I I, there's always it's always a group effort so you know some of the, the girls in the office always have friends that are doing interesting things and we just try to find people that uh that are have interesting messages and and have them write that's such a smart thing to do it makes sense well you write for my blog i would love you to <laughs> that would be awesome uh, yeah i think that that's so cool do you think you're you're there to stay i think so <laughs> i think so yeah wow i hope so what made you make that move oh gosh um i just always wanted to live here i mean you know we met here right i mean i i just since i first came to israel I came back every year and spent time and I never wanted to leave and I always had to go back to work and there was a way that I figured out to to work here and uh, still have the you know the, the business and have a life here it took a while but it, it eventually came together well well I am sure that whatever you want to do you're going to do because you're one of those people that when you set your mind to something you decide you figure it out where can people find all of your beautiful work where do you want to send them to i think the website is probably the easiest it's egg-baby.com which is the best way to get to it yeah and that's really the best place you see everything and like the sales stuff on and the new stuff's on and there's press up there and the blog is there so that's probably the best i mean the website well, that was so cool. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing that story. You have no idea how much that's going to 
the ripple effects of that and how many people are going to be inspired by hearing what you just said. Not only did you say so many inspiring things, but there's so much practical advice packed into your story in terms of, you know, making phone calls and then creating stuff and then showing it to people. And I love when you said that, so somebody wouldn't like it and you'd say, great, what don't you like about it? And you would just like take the note. Like that is incredible. And then you just continue to take one step, you know, in front of the other. And here you are very successful to say the least. Um, and I'm sure that you'll only continue to get to do amazing things. Thank you so much. <laughs> Good. Oh my God, what a pleasure. Wow, let's just go over some of the takeaways from this really cool story. There was so much great stuff in there. Number one, just jump in and you'll figure out the how afterwards. Number two, don't undersell yourself or your product. Know your worth. Number three, don't take no for an answer. And number four, sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. But if you keep going, the door will open. Awesome. Thank you so much. If you like the show, and I hope you did, we certainly love doing it. If you love this, please go ahead and subscribe to us on iTunes. Tell your friends. If you have creative friends, if you have anybody who has a dream and wants to pursue it, tell your friends. Please subscribe. Review us. Let us know what you like. You can reach out to us on Facebook at Don't Keep Your Day Job. Thank you so much for listening. This is such a pleasure. This is definitely something that makes me happy to get to do, so I hope it's making you happy to listen. I hope you'll subscribe and check out the next episode. I want to give a shout out to the amazing team who makes this show possible. Special thanks to our executive producer, Tim Street, and producer, Emma Kikuchi. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com.